Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Dialogue on Divorce. I'm Katherine Miller. I'm the founder of the Miller Law Group and director at the Center for Understanding in Conflict. And I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And my guest today is Dr. Bonnie Eaker-Weil. She's an internationally acclaimed relationship expert. She was named by New York Magazine as one of the city's top therapists. She's appeared on the Today Show, Oprah, Current Affair, The View, Montel, Maury Povich, and Extra. And she's also been featured in Good Housekeeping, The New York Times, USA Today, Cosmopolitan, etc. She's the author of the books Make Up, Don't Break Up, and Adult the Forgivable Sin. Dr. Weil has a thriving practice in New York City, and she consults by phone all over the world and is a distinguished lecturer and consultant. Welcome, Dr. Bonnie Weil, to the show. Thank you so much, Catherine. Um, I feel exactly as you do. I want people to divorce with dignity, and I I think it's something that is so important, uh, not just for the people, but also for children, for the next generation, and for those children. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I say to my clients at times is, how do you want your children to describe you as you go through the divorce process? Oh, that's wonderful. Because I think it really does help people kind of get out of their two-dimensional view of the world and go, wait a, wait a second, you know, how not only do my children going to look at me, but hold the world, how do I want to look at myself? How do I want to think about myself in this? Do I want to be the best me or the worst me? Well, that's so true because children express what couples suppress. And, you know, they have emotional antennae. And they also say that if you want to see how great you're doing with your divorce and with your closure with your ex, take a look at your children, see how they're doing. Yeah, it can be challenging at times, for sure. It's not, oh, yeah, well, I'm just going to be the best me. I think it takes a lot of work. What do you think it takes to do that? Absolutely. Well, I was just going to say that you can't say hello to someone new someday until you say goodbye to the old. And I find that people do not do closure with their ex because they don't have the skills and the tools. I tried to create tools and skills because I think it was like I read that 75% of people don't have skills and tools to say goodbye or, or do any of that, you know, with their partner so that they can help either their children or, like you said, be the best version of themselves. And actually, I feel that lawyers uh, like yourself, Catherine, a lot of my patients, you know, they want to go to a good lawyer, and then they can't afford it, uh, and then they end up changing lawyers. And I think that people could stay with someone like yourself and not have to switch that if they do the closure with their partner first before they go to, to the lawyer so that the lawyer can do what they're set out to do and not, you know, have people fighting because they haven't said goodbye the proper way. Closure is so important. And we found that when people do the right closure with their exes, then the children are not in the middle because the statistics are 66 children are ruined relationships when there's no closure for the parents. And then they start fighting uh, whenever they visit each parent. And also there's less of a Disney dad. There's less issues because we don't have the tools and the exercises to teach people how to do this. When they go to someone like yourself, Catherine, they can feel ready to end 
and do it the right way without, you know, spending money that they don't need to spend, you know? I think what you're saying is that people play out the emotional battle in the lawyer's offices and that that is A, expensive and B, not particularly helpful. (laughs) Right. And then sometimes they have to stop in the middle and, and I don't want them to stop the lawyer that they trusted like yourself because they wasted money on things that they could have just done by doing the closure and they can do the closure with a therapist like myself or they can do it without one. So what does closure look like? Well, closure looks like the couple sits down and discusses, you know, the things that worked in the relationship and the things that they're grateful for that did work in the relationship. And they say goodbye. You know, they say goodbye to some of the wishes, hopes, and dreams that, that were dashed. They see the good things that they accomplished together as a couple, as a family, and they wish each other well. You know, they they leave with dignity and and without the blame and without the shame. And it really helps about saying goodbye properly, you can then say hello. Because, you know, I see a lot of second marriages that end in divorce. And actually, the statistics are second marriages are higher in divorce and adultery because they haven't said goodbye the right way, the anger, the grudges, and things like that, Catherine, that they have and they hold on to. So I developed what you call like a compassionate mindset to try to teach people how to hold the intention of a peaceful resolution so that when you go to someone like yourself, Catherine, they've had some peaceful resolutions with their partner. I can tell you a couple of different advice that I give. Like I want them to visualize a bubble wrap or a plexiglass around them, the person that they're angry at or they're holding a grudge. And I want them to do that also to picture the bubble wrap or plexiglass around themselves so they don't take on the other person's charged up emotions and they don't get triggered and react to it. So it is a way of dealing with these emotionally charged emotions. And also by putting it in a little container, I say to them, it's like leftovers. If you've had leftovers and you put it in a container, this is like a leftover relationship. And so you're putting the anger in that container. You're holding it in your hand and you're seeing that person as wounded just like yourself. Then you can walk next journey because that person has taught you a lot. You've taught that person a lot. And then you move forward with the compassionate mindset. I also feel that there's a few mistakes that that people have made when they're trying to divorce. They don't realize it. The first one, and this is especially true for, for men, Catherine, they like to sidestep conflict. They want peace at any price. So that's why the exes don't do the closure. They stay away from that. And a lot of times they won't even talk about things, and then they'll do it in the lawyer's office, of course, because they haven't done it before. A lot of that centers around money, misunderstandings, mind reading. And also, you know, there's so many people involved. Where There's a divorce. There's triangles of all different sizes. And so this peace at any price and sidestepping conflict causes problems later on. And in the closure... You sort those out, which means that the next thing is that you're not avoiding your ex, which a lot of people do. They avoid the ex if they have to pay alimony or child support. That's the only time, you know, that they'll maybe have a conversation and they'll try to even avoid it around the kids. So not avoiding the ex, that's what we want, not making the mistake of avoiding the ex. If you did the closure properly or did it at all, you wouldn't be avoiding it. And then the third 
mistake is Brady Bunch, I call it family fantasy, where everything's going to be great, the expectations are really high, we're going to have a lot of togetherness around the holidays, you know, even though we're two two separate families. And the bonding, because a lot of times the children are very, very ruptured and they're not ready for that. And, and so lowering your expectations uh, is the most important thing. And then... I'm sure you see a lot of this bad-mouthing or criticizing or judging the ex, passive-aggressive behavior, you know, just even, like, rolling your eyes and just being, you know, disrespectful and invalidating, which, of course, affects the children and the way they see each person. And then, as I said before, about 75% of step-families said they needed a manual. And there's no manual after people get divorced. There's no system. There's no rules and tools and... Uh, I tried to come up with some specific dialogues, Catherine, because I feel that people need dialogue and exercises, and especially the dialogue. So it, it helps them understand and navigate what I'm trying to teach, which is the compassionate mindset of each person, uh, which would be each parent, each child, and then if they have a new family, eventually uh, the compassionate mindset of those people. Basically, we're talking about putting on a bulletproof vest. It's like an emotional bulletproof vest, like a bubble around you yeah. so that you don't take offense by what's said. And you try to learn compassion and validation of the other person, you know, even if you don't agree with that person. You've said an awful lot there, Dr. Bonnie Wild. So let me just sort of go back and, and see if we can tease it apart a little bit. You know, one thing that is you're talking about closure and taking the time to let each other go in a way and, and to acknowledge that there were good things and not so good things about the relationship. I can imagine people listening to this thinking, wow, that sounds really painful. Is that your experience and the experience of your patients and clients? Well, it's very painful and, and it's Good that you said that because it's not for the faint of heart. I mean, you know, most people want to forget, and I always tell people you have to remember to forget, and they don't want to do it. But you know what happens then later, Catherine? Then it's a delayed reaction later, and it comes out in money, as I'm sure you see, in, you know, in your practice. They fight over money. They fight over the kids. And if for years the kids are damaged, the parents are damaged, they feel the parents feel guilty, so it only hurts for a little while. If you do this in the beginning, it sounds hard, but it's a lot harder not to do it later, if you do it later. It's a lot harder to do it later because most people don't do it at all. So what we're talking about is grieving because it's like a death. I mean, when you divorce, it is a death, just the same as a death. And people feel that they failed. And... Divorce, I believe, should not be about failing. It should be about a new beginning. Yeah, I think and that's true. the courage true. that people have to be able to admit, Catherine, that it's not working, that they've tried everything and it's just not working, and to be able to do that. It takes a big, mature person to do that. But when you do the closure, and you're not blaming and shaming the person, you're, you're being grateful for what you learned and what you had, and, you know, everybody that we meet, teaches us something, and then we move on. But without the closure, people don't move on. I mean, my aunt, I watched her suffer. This is where I, I kind of got interested in this. She uh, divorced my uncle, and she never got over it. They never said goodbye to each other. He went on to a second marriage. He was still in love with her. She was still in love with him, couldn't, you know, even date after that. And, and what was 
wrong was that, you know, they did not do okay as a couple, but they were very good at co-parenting. And if they would have had either the help or they could have done it themselves or they sat down and they admitted that they still cared about each other and they wanted the best for each other and move on, they could have moved on in their lives. So I don't think people have a choice, but I think we need to teach them the skills and tools. And that's why I believe that we need a system and people need like a prescription. Well, how do I do this? It sounds a lot harder than it really is because when you have the prescription, you can do it. And then it's a lot easier so you don't suffer and struggle the rest of your life and have your children suffer and then all this guilt that I see people have. It breaks my heart when I see the guilt that people have when they divorce, knowing that they had no alternative and it was the best thing for them. But they didn't walk away with their dignity because they didn't know how to do this. I'm Catherine Miller. You're listening to Dialogue on Divorce. We're here on WVOX 1460 AM every other Wednesday from 5 to 530. Or perhaps you're listening on our podcast, which is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and the podcast website, divorcedialogues.com. And I'm talking today with Dr. Bonnie Eagerweil about divorce and compassionate parenting, ways in which using closure and other techniques to process, emotionally process the divorce allows you to move beyond it and and move on to the rest of your life. And so, you know, when you talk, Dr. Bonnie Weil, about the sort of the Brady Bunch mentality, I think what you mean by that is that somehow we think, well, we'll just put it together and it'll work out fine. You know, maybe they'll have like a problem with soccer, but they never have any like relationship problems. And those other parents, well, they're never mentioned. (laughs) Exactly. That is true. And, and, you know, it's funny because I was going to say that One of the statistics that I looked at when I was getting prepared for today's talk is that 50% of women and 30% of men are still intensely angry at their former spouses. Now, you know, this is when they get divorced. Now, I think it's going to be higher, Catherine, um, for men because they're not usually in touch with their feelings the way women are. And, I mean, I think that is so important. And then also the statistic of 66% of people that live together, or, or, you know, whether they, after they're divorced, whether they're living together or they get married, break up with kids being in the middle. And I know it's because of this closure uh, that wasn't done correctly. The Disney dad syndrome, the guilt that people carry around with them. Well, do you think it's possible for, let's say you have a former spouse, you're just like, you know what, that's just, they're just not going to do it. Is it possible to do it for yourself in some way? Yes, it is. That's a great question. If you have someone that, you know, could be like a sociopath or someone that could, you know, your partner could be, ex-partner, I should say, could or could be very, very narcissistic and they don't want to. You or it's not safe to ask them to do it. I mean, it could also just not be a good idea to do it together. And I'm just thinking. Well, I usually, like when I do it, I usually ask a couple to come in separately first. And then I ask them to come in together. I mean, as long as, like, you know, you're saying, as long as it's not shame and blame, because I don't want them uh, to come into my office and do what they do at home, you know, mm-hmm. or what they did at home. So if they're not going to blame and shame, or sometimes I'll tease it out and they won't be able to blame and shame because I'll talk to them separately. And if I feel that they're mature enough to do this and they do it together for a few sessions and they begin to then be able to do it on their own without me, which is really, you know, the way we want it to be. If not, you can role play. If they don't want to role play with someone like myself that's a therapist, they want to do it on their own. They could do it with a friend. They could do it with a family member. 
uh, where that person is representing, you know, the X. Mm-hmm. And they can do it that way in role play. It is so, so valuable. Role playing is fine. So you say, okay, you're going to get a friend or somebody to sit in there as your former husband or wife and say, all right, you're going to pretend to be, you know, Joe or Sally. Exactly. And, and I'm going to tell you everything that I have to tell Joe or Sally and sort of cleanse myself of that and, and cry on my, my own and have the opportunity to have closure on my side at least. Well, that's a wonderful way to describe it, Catherine, which is cleansing, because that's what it really is. And you'd be surprised. Like, I've seen people come in who are really angry at each other, and I ask them, can they apologize to that other person for hurting them, which they didn't maybe mean to do, but apologize and also let them know what that person has meant. And you'd be surprised. People will say something like, well, you really changed my life. You really helped me to learn, you know, how to go back to school or you helped me with my business or whatever, or you gave me a beautiful child, you know, whatever that is. And the person walks away with that instead of walking away with all this venom and anger. And then also, what are the regrets? Let's just say someone committed adultery. It's nice for the person to hear, I really regret and show remorse for what I did because very often they get defensive and they don't. But you take that with you and you'd be surprised that is the cleansing that you're talking about, Catherine. That's a fabulous word because it is a cleansing. I mean, you could go to a therapist and you could say that to the therapist, oh, I want an apology, or the therapist could say it. But if that person says it to you, this is the closure I'm talking about, that one sentence is, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that I did this to you, or I didn't realize that you felt that way. For the rest of their life, it's uplifting. It's almost like magic. It's a magic in connecting in a way that's different than the divorce, which is a disconnecting. So you're connecting in a different way for a different relationship for the rest of your lives, especially if you have children, because I don't believe anyone ever gets divorced when you have children, you know, and you know what I mean by that. Obviously, I'm being facetious, but because you've got that tie and that connection, so why not make it the best you can make it instead of the worst you can make it, because it's going to affect you forever. You're listening to Dialogue on Divorce. We're here on WVOX 1460 AM every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30. We're also available as a podcast on the podcast website, divorcedialogues.com. And I'm Catherine Miller. I'm talking today with Dr. Bonnie Weil. And Dr. Bonnie, I think that's what people call you, right? Yes. So if people are out there thinking, wow, this is really interesting, I'd like to learn more. How can they learn more about you and your process? Well, I would love to give them um, a free chapter download where they can look at one of the, uh, you know, cases that I've had that, that worked with children and, and where the couple said goodbye to each other and how it turned out differently. So they can go to drbonnie.com slash adultery, C-H, for the free chapter download. And then my stress-free stepmom, stepfamily system, which is Dr. Bonnie, one word, D-O-C-T-O-R, Bonnie, dot com slash step families. And that's a system with a passionate mindset, compassionate mindset, and all the tools and skills, some of them which I said today. And if they have any questions or they want to do consults or if they want to ask me anything, it's 212-606-3787, 212-606-3787. I will answer questions anything that they want to ask me or for consults. And then the first 25 people that want to sign up for the Stress-Free Stepmom, I'll be giving out my book, Makeup, Don't Break Up. 
which That's talks great. about a lot of the tools and skills with step families and after divorce, what to do after divorce to keep yourself, like you said, to be the best version of yourself. That's great. And we'll have those links on the podcast website, divorcedialogues.com as well. So, you know, we've been talking a little bit around the topic of adultery, and it seems like, you know, that's like a deal breaker for certain people. But, you know, it seems like in your view, that's not necessarily true. Tell us more about that. Well, I believe that the when adultery is caused, it's a dysfunctional attempt to stabilize a relationship. Of course, it's dysfunctional. And many couples have learned a lot about themselves uh, and each other through adultery. And so that's why I think it's a forgivable sin, obviously, if you show remorse and you don't do it again. And I also see it as a physiological problem, aside from an emotional problem that's passed down from generation to generation as well. And tell us more about that. What does that mean? That means that um, the emptiness, you can see that in the Kennedy family, you can see it in the royal family, the emptiness people experience from stress, from loss, from separation, through the generations, filtered down, and it's passed on genetically. So your brain chemicals are hereditary. They're inherited from, from your parents. The good news is that brain chemicals can be rebalanced. So I work with a doctor who rebalances people's adrenals, their hormones, uh, their brain chemicals, and we found with the special diet, exercise, supplements, and doing these tests on serotonin and dopamine, thrill-seeking. A lot of these people want thrill-seeking behavior. And when they follow the program, but they have to eliminate sugar, which is really, really hard for people because it, it intensifies the urges and the cravings. Uh, then people with therapy, of course, too, and the ability to want to stop and to show remorse, most relationships can be saved. That's really interesting because I think, you know, adultery, when I read this article, when the whole Ashley Madison thing came out, you know, that most people yeah. who use the Ashley Madison service, and, and for those of you who don't know, it's a dating service for married people. Yeah. I mean, dating, I guess, is a sort of maybe not the right word, but it's a hookup service for, right. for married people, right? You know, and, most of those people are not interested in getting divorced. They have no intention of getting divorced. This is just kind of like a side activity, which obviously the spouse is not probably, I would say, 90% or better not on board with, right? Yes, and a lot of them don't even know about it. Right. right? And, you know, it's true because, you know, 5 to 10% only of people that commit adultery leave and go to that person that they were with. Okay, that's a really small percentage. Most people that commit adultery don't want to leave their families. And in Ashley Madison, these are people, you know, that think it's okay. And, of course, most people that think it's okay are narcissistic. But the, the, the thing is that I've always noticed, I, most people want a one-on-one, but they don't know what to do when the one-on-one starts to get boring or the same, or they take their partner for granted. That seems to be a really big one. And that's in the closure that I was just talking about with the people ready for divorce. I do this with adultery people, too. I say, what are you grateful for? You know, most people are telling me, well, you know, the uh, bloom is off the rose and there's no spark. I said, yeah, but you haven't done anything to make the spark. When you first meet, the hormones are doing that. You know, the oxytocin, the cuddle hormone, all of that is all the endorphins. Like when you jog, you know, you get the same high. That's all going when you first meet someone. But the trick is when you know the person to keep that up 
And how many people do that? They don't pay any attention to their relationship the way they do to their job. And then they think, well, if I find someone new, that's the trick. It's, it's no, it's not finding someone new because it's two years later, I see the same thing in my practice. The person now gets sick of that person, takes that person for granted, and then will want to cheat again. We have to really be grateful for the good things that we do have and keep working at relationships. They take work. Yeah, I think people have this idea that soulmate, I find my soulmate and I won't have to work on it. We'll just be in love forever. And do you think that's true? Yes, that's what people do. And they think that they don't have to do anything because once the hormones die down from what we call the honeymoon stage, the power struggle stage comes in, Catherine. And the power struggle stage is the journey on the way to real life love. But nobody wants to be in the power struggle stage. As soon as they have a power struggle they leave and find someone new. And then the power struggle starts with the new people, two years. What is the power struggle stage, and what does it look like? Well, 18 months is the honeymoon stage. So after 18 months to two years, the power struggle stage is where you fight about everything. You want to be right. You don't know how to walk in the other person's shoes. You don't validate the person. And I always tell people, if one of you thinks there's a problem, there's a problem. Nobody realizes that when they're having a power struggle stage. They don't want to hear what the other person's problem is. They want their way. The other person wants their way. And then they try to control each other. That's the power struggle stage. Now, supposedly, if you really fell in love, Catherine, and this is people that really fell in love, okay? This is the romantic version of it. That's when a power struggle happens. So if you just married for money or you married for prestige or you're married because you wanted to have children, you're not going to have that same power struggle because you're not going to have the same passion that comes from really falling in love. And when you fall in love with someone, they drive you crazy. So it's kind of like you pick a person who gives you the most trouble. I mean, that's kind of how it's set up. And instead of working through those problems and realizing that you're criticizing someone that you picked, you, you leave the relationship or, you know, you cheat. Yeah. I'm so afraid that's, I'm afraid we're out of time, but you've been a terrific guest, Dr. Bonnie Eagerweil. I really appreciate your time today. Oh, thank you so much, Catherine. I enjoyed so much talking to you. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. <laughs>